Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered controls. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you're anything like me and you're just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect what's below the belt. Luckily, Manscaped has us covered. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaping accents are finally a thing of the past. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code THPN, let me repeat, THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. This week, we talked to Brad over at Flames Unfiltered, the Calgary Flames podcast here at the Hockey Podcast Network, recapping the Winnipeg Jets' 4-1 to loss to the Flames in Game 1 of their play-in series. So please enjoy. It's one game in the books. Flames win 4-1. to I'm sure that is uh, disappointing for you guys. But all in all, um, let's discuss, I don't know, all craziness involved in this this whole crazy game. But uh, start of the game, how did you like your Jets in the, in the first, uh, first to start the game off? Uh, I think, you know, I mean, when, when Shifley goes down hurt in that first period, that, I mean, right out the gate, that's, it did not look good. And immediately I'm thinking he's not coming back this season. I don't, I, I cannot, you know, I'm not a doctor, but that does not look like an injury that he's going to be returning. Even if the Jets somehow make it through the next four games, I don't see him returning at least not into the, in, in through the series. Um, no, and, and that having a loss like that is the second I saw the injury. Um, I guess we'll get right to the, the heart of this game, but uh, I thought the game started off in a, in a physical way for both teams. And then, uh, then Shifley goes down. Um, my initial response when I saw it was he's done. That's to me, I thought broken ankle because just the way his reaction was. I wasn't, me, I, I wasn't sure ankle. if it was ankle. I thought he might be holding his knee. And it was awkward enough that it could be either one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sad thing is, we're not going to know with with the way the NHL is in this playoff. We're we're not going to know anything. Well, um, even 
even without COVID, it would just be a lower body injury. Um, yeah, but if it was if he was gone for the season, they would tell us that. Yeah, but they're not going to tell us that now. And I, and I think you know when I look at how. So I guess to answer your initial question, when I look at how the Jets played in that first period, I have to put it in context of that injury. Sure. Um, and I think overall, over that, you know, even without Shifley, I thought they played relatively well in that first 20 minutes. You know, Andrew Kopp gets a goal. It was a beautiful, you know, all three players had some part in, or all three forwards had some part in that goal. Uh, Lowry with a fantastic pass below the red line. Kopp had a fantastic shot. And uh, I think it was Mason Appleton was providing a pretty good screen. Um, and I think all of those three, you know, all of those elements, boom, Jets are on the board. Um, and I think overall, when the Jets were playing the Flames five on five, they looked okay, even without Mark Scheifele. So let's let's talk about this. And and uh, there's stuff flying all over the, the internet and the hockey world right now. But uh, dirty or not dirty? Um, I personally, from what I've seen, I can't see anything that would say that it was intentionally dirty. Um, I could see, you know, you, you can kind of see the, this, you know, uh, Kachuk's skate move up a little bit. Um, and I know there are players that have ways of getting away with things that you wouldn't be able to tell or wouldn't be able to detect at high speeds or on TV necessarily. Um, and I know Paul Maurice thinks it was a dirty hit. I think probably at worst, uh, you know, Shifley turns that quickly. I think Kachuk's thinking, well, I got to, you know, it's very instantaneous. So it's almost instinctive. I got to get something on him. So he's kind of leaning that way. And I, I think maybe that's a little bit reckless, I think at worst. Um, but I don't think it was intentionally dirty. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm sorry to butt in here. But no, go ahead. Yep. Yeah. I'm kind of in agreement with, with Connor here. And I'm probably sure that you feel the same way. Like, uh, I saw some people comparing it to when Matt Cook um, sliced Eric Carlson's. Uh, Achilles a few years ago and I, I believe it's kind of the same deal where I don't know if it was a slice or not like but it didn't look like a slice it definitely, I might have pinned it a little bit but. it was definitely it definitely an accident to you know with a player that doesn't really get the benefit of the doubt in Matthew Kachuk in a lot of people's minds so I, I get why people want to instantly like react to it being like oh that's a dirty hit or whatever but like if that's a hit by anybody else I don't have a problem with it so it, it's just just an unfortunate uh accident i really feel like he's not he's not even looking at like shifley's legs or whatever not even close um and and when okay here, here's a critical question during the game at all did you feel like this was going to be controversial because i didn't and i don't think of the hockey world did i don't think until paul Maurice said that in the post game that besides the fact that it was Matthew Kachuk that hit the boards next to him, that I didn't think this was even going to be a topic. Because the way I looked at it was that Shifley turned off to avoid a check. Yes. And both of them, seriously, if you look at both of their ankles, all four legs, both players put themselves at risk, and it could have happened to any of their four legs. And for them to say, for Maurice to say that he tried to cut him, to my knowledge, I don't even think his skate hit the back of his leg. I don't think there. I don't know if. I don't even think I, it hit his leg. 
And I watched it and I watched it and I don't, I haven't seen the angle that Maurice said he saw yeah. nobody, and nobody has, but you know what? Isn't it funny that nobody's seen that angle? That is a little, little weird. I don't know if that's like teams like specific or like not team specific. I don't know how to, but like teams have their own footage that the public isn't um, privileged to. Um, but it, it was kind of, I thought there was maybe a little bit of contact that might uh, at least pin his skate against the boards or, or stop it momentarily long enough for something to. And this, tweak. this blew my mind because um, honestly, I think Paul Maurice and I've said this on other podcasts. I think he's my favorite coach. I think he's one of my, I think he's my favorite coach in the league. And I, I, I love his opinions. I, I think he's a hockey genius, but this is one where I think he had to, uh, I don't know, fuel a fire for his team to be intense for the next game is I think his game plan. I think he's playing mind games here. I think he thought, holy crap, we're probably going to have our best player gone for the rest of the series. And if I don't throw a fit and create a spark for my team for game two, what are, what are we going to bring to the ice? I, I think that's what he's doing. I think that's absolutely part of it. You know, if you're, you're thinking, all right, we're behind the eight ball now. We have to really dig ourselves out of this one. You got to create a spark, and you you can do that very easily by creating an enemy. Um, so, so what did you think? What did you guys think about uh, Kachuk having to answer the bell, and uh, and how that went? And see, uh, I think to me that was when you asked earlier if there, if you if I thought this was going to be, or if we thought this was going to be uh, a thing to talk about whether or not it was a dirty hit. I think the fact that there was already some. You, already from the, the face-off, there was some mouthing off back and forth between Kachuk and uh, Blake Wheeler. And the fact that that hit happens, well, I guess I call it a hit, but the incident happened um, with Kachuk, right, at the center of it. And then the aftermath is they go and fight and he has to answer the bell for it. I think that already there's something there that maybe not necessarily that, well, maybe a little bit dirty, or there's something in mind of the players that say, hey, He's got to answer for this to some regard, right? And so I think that to me says this has to be something that it is at least somewhat. I don't. Want, I don't even know if "dirty" is the right word for it, but I I can't think of another controversial. Word. Controversial. That's thank you. Um, so I think that's part of it. But I I do that was you could tell in that in that scrap that Blake Wheeler was not a fighter. Um, he had popped, didn't he? And Kachuk's not really a fighter either, because I I thought Wheeler was going to kick the shit out of Kachuk. I did. I thought, I, oh, I mean, yeah. so did I. I he's going to eat him alive. And and actually, I didn't. And I didn't see it till um, later last night. I was watching Sportsnet, and I saw an angle where Kachuk landed one right in the mouth yeah. on Wheeler, and that's why he went backwards. And I'm like, wow, that surprised me because I thought Wheeler would just eat up Kachuk. I, I honestly, Wheeler doesn't fight enough for me to know what his fighting capabilities are. Although now I know he's not a fighter. Um, and I just, you know, with Kachuk's reputation, I'm like, he's got to have some sort of, some sort of experience dropping the gloves every now and then, you know? So I wasn't really sure, but Brennan, I've been doing a lot of the talking. Do you have anything? No, no, I, I was just saying that from a, uh, from just like a morale standpoint, like I'm sure, you know, that fight on the bench at least helped get, you know, get the boys going as they say. Absolutely. But here's a, uh, here's a fun fact for you. Before this, uh, Blake Wheeler's last fight was February 8th against the other Kachuk. 
Oh. Wow. So, so here, here's my question. Why do the win, why are the Winnipeg Jets sending out Blake Wheeler to settle a score? Why is Blake Wheeler the guy on the Jets? Well, you guys don't have anybody else to settle the score besides your, your second best player. Well, I think it's part uh, of it is that he's the captain. Yeah, no, I get you. I, I, I agree with you, Brendan. I, I, I think that played a, a large role. And it's like, all right, I got to be the leader now. I got to step up to the, you know, the, to bat right now and, and take him on. But um, I guess you could I, send like Kulikov if you wanted to. God, anybody, man, anybody. Yeah. I, and I think part of it is you could already tell that Wheeler and Kachuk were, were already going back and forth. Yeah, they were already, they were already talking. And I think Kachuk was just like, I have no idea what you're saying to me, but I'm not going to drag this shit out like I did the Cassian thing. So let's just go. And that's why he threw the gloves like he did. Cause he's like, all right, I guess I got to, I got to, whatever play the play the game that the jets want me to play here so well did the jets also really have the opportunity to send out whatever line they wanted to against oh, oh, who's on the ice so you're right brendan you're right you're right and i and i you know what your your comment about the captain makes all the sense in the world it makes all the sense in the world and i and i, I totally agree with that i mean i still don't like seeing blake wheeler fight but no no, I don't either. That's but that's same as me. Like I don't like watching Mark Giordano fight, but he's had to do it. So um, I thought this. I thought this whole game was physical. Um, there was some big hits. I mean, I, a line laid an elbow into Giordano's head. I don't even think he meant to. I don't. I think they just ran into yeah. each other into Giordano's head. I thought. Uh, um, I thought your boy Eakins took a a solid clip run at Kachuk, which was dirty as hell, um, but. Okay, that's fine. Um, but there were some big hits. I mean, Sam yeah. Bennett unloaded one on Morrissey behind the net. and There was, there was one hit. I forget who, who made it. But there was one hit where he got – he pinned two jets oh, yeah, against that the was, boards. Uh, that was like, Lindholm. That was right away is, to start the game. What is, what is going on with our two defensemen behind the net there? Get it together, guys. That was right away to start the game, and I thought, wow. But, you know – for, for playing in the bubble now and for playing with in front of no fans, I mean, a lot of the hockey world is worried about um, where the intensity level is going to be. And, boy, these players didn't have any problem ratcheting that up right away uh, to Stanley Cup. I mean, it was, it was crazy how many hits there were and, and how physical this game was. But um, I think the biggest thing that, that, that stymied the Jets and what really surprised me as a, as a Flames fan is that um, we really contained you and, and we held you to, you know, a extremely low shot count and, and, and minimize those chances. And um, we, we gave you seven power plays and, and, and still Winnipeg recorded only 18 shots. And, and that really surprises me from a team that I would consider um, a, a top-notch offensive uh, a power. Yeah, and I mean, just watching the – you mentioned the power plays, and Palmer Reese mentioned the power plays quite a few times. I mean, the Jets got outscored while they were on the power play in that game. Zero power play goals, one shorthanded goal against. Like, Yeah. Um, well, they, I don't – They I mean, just – they could not generate anything on their power play. I don't create it like that in game two. I, I mean, I don't expect it to either, but when, you know, as Palmer Reese mentioned – when Shifley is out, that's one of your big drivers on the power play, you know, in your center. It kind of showed they, you know, when the Flames were able to get the puck out of the zone, the Jets couldn't create entries back in. They couldn't get set up. They couldn't create anything on the power play, really. 
Um, and so when that happens, you know, getting seven power plays in a game isn't an advantage. How did you feel about the play of Connor Hellebuck? It was, uh, it was actually kind of on brand for Connor Hellebuck, kind of, because he's not really a great uh, goaltender on the penalty kill. Part of that is just that the Jets' penalty kill is just terrible. Um, so there's that. But he's also just not that great on the on the penalty kill. But, I mean, it, it, was, it was all right. He also just had zero help last night. Like, I didn't. I didn't pin any of this on Hellebuck. I thought Hellebuck. I, I can't look at the chances that they gave up and say this is on Hellebuck. Not and at I, no, But I also can't look at this game and say Hellebuck played extraordinarily well. No, he didn't. Well, he did. Obviously, they didn't win, so he didn't steal anything for them. But um, I, I feel like you put him in a position to win. But the fact is, you're not going to win with only 18 shots. No. And it surprised me that a team that I feel so strongly that they're good offensively that I'm losing one guy like Shifley. I know Shifley drives the bus there in Winnipeg, but um, it surprised me uh, that the pushback wasn't uh, stronger from Ehlers and uh, uh, a couple of the other guys. Yeah. I thought Andrew Kopp was really good. Um, that that Kopp, uh, was Kopp and Lowry, they really Lowry's, Lowry's always good, though, man. He's he's a gamer. That guy is a good player. Um I, Ross Levick was a guy coming into this series that scared the hell out of me for some reason. And I still think he's going to be a thorn in the flame side um, because this series is far from over and uh, um, lots can, lots can happen. What do you guys uh, think the jets have to do to uh, regroup and, and come out with a better effort in game two? Brennan, do you want to go? Well, I was going to say, I'm not really sure there's a whole lot they can do right now. I mean, we've talked about their center depth a lot, you know, I mean, when it's, it was already bad, you take Shifley out of the equation. I mean, Shifley is like by far and away their best offensive driver of play. And so when you take that out and you're already talking about a team that regularly gets outshot by a lot night in, night out, they spend a lot of time in their own zone. So when you take out like one of the few guys with, you know, an offensive pulse, it's, it's, gets ugly real fast you know i saw a tweet last night that was like the jets uh had like seven of the first nine shots on goal of the game mm-hmm. after that like the flames outshot them like 25 to 4 or whatever or yeah. 20 25 6 like it was it was bad i mean but it was also just like that's kind of what the jets have been like all season except not maybe to not like that degree but it was not a significant departure from where they've been. There was a look, you know, to make things worse for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, Patrick Liney in the third period went down with what looked to be a wrist injury, and I thought it uh, came on that altercation with Giordano, but uh, um, it was the opposite wrist of what I thought Giordano slashed, and, and Paul Maurice in his post-game press conference also said that it, it had nothing to do with that, that play. I, I, I found – Paul Maurice's response when somebody asked him about the, the slash I found his response and the way he delivered it very I found it humorous just because it was so deadpan just so it wasn't the slash like just and I was just like oh, okay he just do you think that they, now. maybe I'm thinking weird into this I heard that too and I thought hmm, that's an interesting way to respond but I also thought <laughs> maybe I'm the one playing mind games but I, I also thought hmm so he's not going to make a big deal out of that one to make the Kachuk one even a stronger 
appeal from him. That's what I thought. I'm not going to bat on both of them. I'm going to bat hard on this one. That's the way I felt. And I also felt that in this post game, by him being as fired up as he was about the Shifley thing, means that Shifley's done. I think Shifley's I think Shifley, and when you, if you listen to the, they, they had a little bit of media availability today too, and it sounds like the players that spoke, that's just from their demeanor, it sounds like Shifley's probably done. Yeah. And, and you know, Lowry just, said that, uh, sorry, but Lowry said that, uh, or he referenced a cut about Shifley, and then Paul Maurice was asked about it, and he declined saying anything about it. So there's that. Oh, really? too. Yeah. Hmm. I haven't heard this. Yeah, well, if it's, a cut, if it's a cut, that might be a good thing. I mean, that would be better than a broken ankle. Well, if it's a cut to his Achilles, though, it's kind of game over at that point. Uh, yeah, I guess we depend on the severity of it. You know, here's another thing, and I know this is slightly off topic, but if it is an Achilles cut, why do these guys after – I mean, they play in the National Hockey League. Why, why are these kids, guys not wearing these – there's equipment that can reduce the – and there's cut-proof socks. I mean, there's mm-hmm. cut-resistant socks. So, well, why are these guys not wearing those? I, I don't understand that. But. I think you're asking, like, the last people to possibly answer that question. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand that. But the hole looks deep for the Jets. It's probably, if you're a Jets fan, it's not as deep as it uh, probably appears to be the morning after. It, it but, feels really deep right now, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to I get out. I don't think it's as deep as, as you think it is. I think game two is going to be a good hockey game. I think it's going to be a battle. And uh, I, th- I, I saw so many good things with the Flames last night that it's, it's crazy. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer on the Flames and the fact that, I mean, if they can rep- replicate that performance on Monday, they will win again. I just don't know how you could replicate that deep of a performance from mm-hmm this team again maybe they will be able to but um, I don't think this series is over by any means what do you guys think that the Jets have to do better to be effective in the in game two um well first they got to figure out who their centers are that's first and foremost figure out who your centers are figure out who is stepping into what roles now you know dress uh, Jansen Harkins see what he's gonna do um, figure out, okay, where does Jack Russell, do we move Blake Wheeler over to center and Jack Rosslick slots up somewhere up higher, figure out chemistry with your new line mates, um, figure out, you know, run the power play, figure out who is going to be the driver on the power play now. And that seems to be at the top of Paul Maurice's list of importance. I think Whether special teams will, will play a big role in, in game two as, as it did in game one. I mean, you take the special teams out and, uh, uh, the Flames, well, besides a shorthanded and an empty netter, the other two goals came on the power play for the Flames. So five on five, the Flames weren't lighting any fires either. So um, game two will be interesting. I don't think this series is over. I also don't think Shifley is going to be back, um, which is not good news I, for the Jets. But uh, I don't even know if Line is going to be back. Maybe, I don't because I thought he, they said he was going to see a specialist today as well. That would be a real kicker yeah. if line yeah. eight didn't be a, was I mean, but they do have they do have at least they have some depth on the wings and they're not going to be able to necessarily replace line a but they have a much better chance of 
sort of filling that gap with other players than they do with Shifley because they have no center depth. Yeah, no, it, it's it's with Shifley going out, it it really, and we talked about it when we talked uh, last week on your guys's podcast. Um, it's it's funny how a roster can look so solid and and with an injury or two, it yeah. uh, it gets depleted and and the Jets really. Um, look weak up the middle right now. And, I want to uh, see um, Comp and Lowry get more ice time. Just throw, use them as the first line. Just throw them up there as that first line. See how that works. They both look good Why last not? night. I know that. Why not? Yeah, Lowry is, is definitely a bright spot for this Jets team. And, you know, honestly, did you guys think your defense was that bad last night? Because I didn't. I didn't think it was that bad last night. It's just, yeah. just kind of, I mean, just eyeballing it. It just kind of seemed like a little pretty lifeless effort on all fronts last night. It was just kind of a weird game where, I mean, basically all the, you said it, but all the Flames damage basically came from special teams. So, and honestly, like I was looking at the numbers, like the Jets weren't bad at five on five last night. They were just kind of okay. And just things just kind of spiraled out of control. It did. It it did kind of get out of control, but I thought, I mean, like you said earlier in the interview, uh, the Jets were controlling the shot count early, and uh, I was worried that the Flames were even going to score for a while because it's like, well, we can't even get shots in the first period, much less score a goal. So um, five on five, I thought the Jets were fine, but uh, um, I think uh, when you go over seven on the power play, that's uh, that's a real kicker, and they really didn't get a lot of looks. Um, their entry on the power play was atrocious last night, and uh, – I think uh, that's one of the keys they're going to have to get things shored up for uh, game two, which, boy, we're not getting any break. Uh, game two goes uh, Monday afternoon, game three, Tuesday, late afternoon. And uh, the series is going to be decided in, in short fashion. Hopefully, uh, um, I mean, hopefully the injuries, I mean, I don't think Shifley will be back, but hopefully Line A will be back for you guys and uh, and things will get rolling. But uh, by next Saturday, we'll, uh, we'll know a winner in this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, uh, certainly. I mean, I like, you know, some hockey early in the afternoon, get it out of the way. You know, it's a lot better than uh, staying up till 1 in the morning here on the East Coast, but. I, I love I love late night games, but uh, hey, we don't. I mean, there's a lot of teams playing in this bubble, and we got to get a lot of hockey games done in today. And uh, I think the league did a really good job shuffling it around. And uh, yeah, we will get some afternoon hockey on a Monday afternoon. Flames Jets. It should be interesting. Hopefully, not as controversial as this first one. Um, thanks for joining me, guys. It's always fun um, visit, visiting with you guys and uh, getting your perspective on. What Flames fans feel is a wonderful way to start the series and uh, what Jets fans feel is a, a hole that is very, very deep. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking realistic, though. This series is far from over. But uh, thanks for joining me, guys, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>